you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. You know, I thought about wearing a sleeveless quarter zip, and I didn't. Thank God, because neither one of you guys went with the quarter zip, though. But in case I need to get the shirt even smaller, Eli, I come prepared. Like, I, I, the, the, the weights don't lift themselves. Hell yeah. From a page from Sean McDermott's book, huh? Have, yeah. the, have the dumbbell right there and ready. Kyle Brandt on the Manning cast last night. Excellent appearance. We are going to cover it from top to bottom. Thank you. Because it's not like there's anything else going on during the conversation <laughs> for you to cover. This is Good Morning Football presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky. We're live in New York City. It's Tuesday, November 14th. I'm Jamie Erdahl. There's the Manning Cast guy, Peter Schrager, and Sean O'Hara. Kyle, well done. Thank you. Thank you to Peyton and Eli for letting me represent Good Morning Football uh, on ESPN2. If you're Bills fans tuning in this morning to commiserate, come on in. And if you're other fan bases who want to tune in to, quote, Drink a mimosa of my tears. You're welcome. You're welcome Ooh. here. Come on. I don't have tears, but we'd love to have you on the show yep. for any circumstances. And Sean O'Hara and his son making a cameo on the uh, Manicast 2 last night. Yeah. Yeah. My son Jack and uh, Eli's daughter Lucy. That's right. Up. A, little, a little Mike Will linebacker action. Was we were pretty talking cool. about the crowd noise, which was definitely a factor. Um, and so was the lack of blocking, not just for me in that demonstration, sure. but there. Yeah. In the game, but it was uh, nice yeah, having it's pretty both cool. You guys on there. I was on Antiques Roadshow. On is that TV. right? Yeah, nice. nice. I don't know if you guys missed it. Oh, that's awesome. But I did make it back in time to watch the entire fourth quarter on ESPN too. Kyle, Lots you were to see. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you're you don't mess with us. You're still riding your celebrity Jeopardy oh, yeah. high. All right. I'm watching it on DVR yeah. again. <laughs> I decorated my Christmas tree. Um, there was high stress. There was high drama. There was high jinks. Take us through, Kyle. Here we go. All right, let's go to Western New York. It's the Broncos versus the Bills, and it's a wild ending. Let's get to it. Still 10 seconds. Relax. Make the field goal, get the win, snap, hold, and he pushes the kick. The Bills win in crazy fashion. There's a flag down. There's 12 damn guys on the field, like a bleep in high school game. They get to re-kick. Yeah. Move them up five yards. Snap good, hold good. Kick center cut. It's true. Broncos win. Get off your own field. You lose again. You're a 500 team. Denver flies back to Colorado with a courageous, incredible, and likely win because the Bills had 12 guys on the field and they got to re-kick. 24-22. Denver alive. The Bills comatose. We need to hear certainly from Denver. We're going to talk Broncos. Let's hear from the Bills about how that game ended. Oh, my God. We practiced two or three times that this week, the substitution from, from dime to field goal block. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, we didn't execute it. So it's inexcusable. It sucks. Shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Um, 
a lot of bad football. A lot of bad football. You know, this is this is a huge one. This is a good football team we just played, and uh, obviously the past couple weeks we've been playing some really good good teams. Um, so to beat the Chiefs, to beat these guys, um, you know, sets a standard of who we should be and who we can be and who we're going to be. You know, we were always going to look at the AFC playoff picture after a game like that. That's just what you do week 10, Monday Night Football. But it's in that week's in the books now, and the Bills are on the outside looking in. There were a lot of statements before this game. Here's how this would play out if this game goes a certain way. You just never really thought it would transpire. Game starts rolling. You're like, wait, this could actually end up this way. Looking inside, the Bills are right now at a 10 seed with a 5-5 five and five record. Not in the wild card, they are in the lurking column behind the Bengals still, which is another team we'll talk about who they lost to. Uh, Sean McDermott mentioned that they practiced going dime to field goal protection Mm -hmm. over and over again. Practice did not make perfect for the end of the game on Monday Night Football. Peter, how did you... uh, Watch this game unfold your thoughts immediately after and now the morning after. Yeah, I was watching the Manning cast. I was watching Kyle's broadcast of it, and I think we all had the same reaction of just like, oh, my God, he missed it. Yep. But then, wait, there's a flag. And we kill the refs a lot in the media. How the refs were able to count those players out, and I know that should be like they were on it. They yeah. were like, oh, that's a flag. There's Good 12 call. guys on the field. And you look at it, and it's May Day. It's Helter Skelter. It's, it's called NASCAR. There's all these different things that you can call it. The bottom line is... The Broncos special teams had been killing them all day. They missed two extra points. But at the end of the first half, I want to show the end of the first half, they snuck three points in with this play here. If you look at the bottom here, it's 12 to 8. They get it, and there's no timeouts left. They come out, say, we're going to get this from a four-point game to a seven-point game. Will Letts comes out. Six, five, four, three. They had it down. Like, this is, they they know what they're doing. Yep. This is a well-coached special teams unit. They knew exactly how to do it. They had it down at the end of the first half. They snuck three points. And they had it down there. Now, Lutz misses the kick. But the Bills didn't have mm-hmm. their T's crossed and their I's dotted. The Bills weren't as precise. Uh, Bills gave this game away in a million different ways. But the Broncos special teams was a tighter unit throughout this game, even with two missed extra points and with the field goal miss at the end. I thought the Broncos special teams, when it mattered most, they were able to execute the NASCAR play. Bills were certainly not able to get out of their dime package and be able to do it. Yeah, it's great that you showed that mayday field goal at the end of the half because I think that gave Sean Payton confidence at the end of the game to say, with 26 seconds to go on the main cast, they're saying, Payton's going to kick it right here. I'm kicking right here. I don't want to go mayday field goal. And the fact they did it before, I think, led him to believe, all right, hey, we're going to be out there and do it the difference with that one was that was on the left hash the one at the end of the game was on the right hash he misses it like so if if that if they don't have 12 men on the field right there we're having a totally different conversation right now to Sean Payton why would you go mayday field goal and rush your kicker out there who already missed a PAT so uh that that, that's a huge part of that but I I still can't get over what the Bills did defensively at the end of the game like to put your defense out there Mm -hmm. with the game on the line in man coverage right here, mm-hmm. this is blitz zero. You heard him talking about it right there. And, and the receiver. They ran the same blitz on the prior play. I mean, really, this should have been a touchdown. Like, this is a bad throw by Russell. It's a complete underthrow. But they did it two plays in a row. You go blitz zero. Now, this is Sean McDermott. This is who he is and who he learned from. Who did he learn from? Jim Johnson, Johnson yeah. down in Philly. Bring it back. I Bring played against Jim Johnson as a defense coordinator. Played against uh, McDermott. With the game on the line, this is kind of who they are. But it, it, it came back to bite him again. This is not the first time this season that happened. So uh, I, I think that's a tough position to be in, especially given who Russell Wilson is. Like, I think I, I get it if that's your, your DNA. Like, hey, I want to get after the quarterback. But Russell had done such a good job with his legs. It was, it was vintage Russ from, from back in Seattle. 
you, you, you know he's going to find a way to get the ball out. You put your defense at a really tough spot there. Yeah. You know, it, it just this bizarre childhood pinch me experience of watching a football game with Peyton and Eli. I, I thought what Peyton's reaction was as I'm sitting there in the Manning cast was really telling because for the whole game, Peyton was unapologetically pro-Broncos. He's mm -hmm. saying we and us and our, and he just was really rooting for him, which you get, and it's, it's relatable. At the end of the game, when the whole field goal shenanigans happened and the 12 men and everything, Peyton just went silent. There was nothing celebratory about it. He wasn't fist pumping. He was just sitting there almost comatose. In fact, I'm watching the return monitor and I thought the thing froze because I'm waiting for Peyton to talk and I thought the connection froze. And he wasn't celebrating at all because it was just like bad football. It was yeah. it was like a football shame. He and Peyton just loves football above yeah. anything else. So like the fact that a team would have twelve players on the field in the game winning play is not something we're celebrating in his yeah. eyes. Mm -hmm. And I don't I think that was very telling for me. I, I think it's a great night for Denver, and I'm really impressed with Russell Wilson and Sean Peyton. I do disagree with one thing Russell Wilson said in the comments there. He said, That's a good team out there talking about Buffalo. They're not a good team. Mm -hmm. They're not a good team right now. Mm -hmm. They may be. And they used to be, but they're not now. The Buffalo Bills, we're, we're at this point just riding off reputation. I think in a lot of strange ways, we're still riding off equities of an overtime game that they lost to the Chief a few years ago. The Bills have lost four out of six games. The Bills lost to the Patriots. Mm -hmm. The Bills lost to the Jets. They just lost to the Broncos. The Bills have a very talented quarterback who's also not very good right now and some other good players, but like they're not a thing now. We, we, have to, we have to set this aside, and we have done years and years, really three, four years of just saying, the Bills, they're this thing. They're not a thing. Uh, it's They can be on every fantasy football preview, every Madden cover. If we sit here and say it's the wins that matter, they've lost four out of six games. I know Josh Allen has a big arm and he's fun to watch, and I love watching him too. Not now. They're not a good team right now. I'm not sure there's a lot of teams they could. They fumble on the first play of the game. Mm -hmm. They do the high school football thing where the kid doesn't know he's on the field goal block team versus time. It's totally Bush League. It's bad. Peter's right. Like, that's a coaching fundamental thing, and that's why Sean McDermott is ashamed. He probably should be. I mean, that's, that is Mickey Mouse stuff. They don't win. They don't win the games that matter. I don't even know if that was a game that mattered. Broncos-Bills is fine. They lost that one, too. So uh, I disagree with Russell. They're not a good team right now. Maybe someday they will be, but right now the Bills uh, are not They're not serious people. They're just not. Tough to watch. Really sloppy football. Whether or not you watch the entire game or just that highlight, you could just tell the ball was live last night. Like bouncing off the ground, bouncing up in yeah. the air, turnovers, interceptions. Yeah. It was Slick. like whoever was going to jump on it by the last and, and yeah. take advantage of obviously kind of messy football ball, then they were going to be the team that comes out on top. Um, Peter, the one word you said that stood out to me was precision and how, you know, Sean Payton kind of went through it to start the season. I think Vance Joseph also kind of felt yeah. it to start this season. Um, but however long it took, the Broncos have obviously figured it out now, having won three straight, mm -hmm. with the, the Chiefs being one of those wins. They're four and five. Do we feel like the Broncos now, do we have to consider them, like Kyle's kind of calling for, maybe we have to re-inspect the Bills? Do we inspect the Broncos as being back in the mix mm. in the AFC? Their game out of the playoffs. Are they serious people? I think they are serious people. Mm -hmm. I think they're cresting at the right time. They were one and five. They lost to the Jets at home. Mm. They lost to the Zach Wilson Jets at home. They were one and five. Mm -hmm. They have since beaten the Packers. They've beaten the Chiefs and they've beaten the Bills. Now mm -hmm. say what you want about all three of the states of those teams right now. Everyone thought the Packers were going to be a different team this year. Everyone thought the Chiefs were going to be this offensive dynamo. The, the Broncos beat them 24 to nine. And then the Bills yesterday in Buffalo, like they're four and five. And look at the games they have up ahead. Go on. Vikings, mm -hmm. it's a winnable game. Suddenly that's Sunday a really sexy football. one. That's a good one. Mm. Browns, mm -hmm. Texans, Chargers, four winnable games. I'm not getting ahead of myself, but those are good competition right there. But mm -hmm. that could be 
seven and six, mm-hmm. could be eight and five. Mm-hmm. The, the sky's the limit right now. They're playing better football, and you know Sean Payton took a while, obviously, and he got his lumps and bruises. They lost. They go up seventy points this season. But here they are. They're four and five. I think they're at least worthy of talking about and worthy of watching against the Vikings this weekend. Yep. Yeah, this offense looks like it's starting to kind of come into shape. And I, I think anytime you look at a team or an offense that's got a new offense out there, it takes them six to eight weeks to kind of get into the rhythm. Like that first month, so a sloppy September, I call it, they're still trying to figure things out. But I tell you what was impressive. Not just the defense for Denver was super impressive. Uh, when you look at Look, it was still close, even though it shouldn't have been with the amount of turnovers the Bills had. But if you want to talk about the Broncos being relative in this AFC race right now, boy, they've got arguably one of the best corners in the league right now in Pat Sertan. Mm. And the matchup last night of Sertan versus Diggs Diggs was, I mean, I don't think we, I don't know if it got talked about enough on on the broadcast, but Sertan kind of had his way there. Like, I think Diggs had one catch against Sertan in, in coverage. Um, if you're going to try to go on a run right here and get back into the race right there, and you got a lockdown corner like Pat Sertan, that opens up a lot of things for you defensively. So I know we're giving Russ uh, a lot of love here, but I thought mm-hmm. that defense did a really good job and going forward. I wonder if Vance Joseph just walks around with both middle fingers up all day. Right. Just like, what do you think? I, I was a joke. You should have mm-hmm. fired me. should have mm-hmm. done this. She had four turnovers on the road. Sertan's doing his thing. The defense is totally different. Listen, the Peyton journey this year has been real interesting. They had a huge low early, and now, like, that was a better coach team. That was a better prepared team. He's got this thing going, and now, of course, he has to go against the Josh Dobbs Miracle Express, mm-hmm. and Broncos-Vikings is a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, great win for the Broncos. Great win. Great win. That's all you can say. Really quickly, they didn't trade off all their assets either. Trade deadline mm-hmm. two weeks yeah. ago. It was like Sertan, Judy, Sutton. Do, trade them all. That's it. They, they all made they, plays last night. They all were, they all were yeah, huge yeah. last night. I know, They're in the state. That's how the NFL works. Can I take you a quick John, quick trip down memory lane? Remember a couple weeks ago after the Packers win for the Broncos and Sean Payton was having his existential crisis in the parking lot about, I went to go pick up sushi and I'm oh, thinking, yeah, yeah. why can't I be happy? Do you, is he happy? Okay. Satisfied. We're getting yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Those getting people there. are never happy. Self-loving, <laughs> relentless people. Trust me, I'm sure he's up watching right now. Sure. Yeah. Okay. What's up, Coach? Uh, Tom Pelissero, what's up to you? Good morning. Uh, news from around the league this morning that we should keep an eye on as we enter Tuesday. Well, Jamie, there is no clarity yet on the status of Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson for a huge game on Sunday against the Steelers. He is dealing with an ankle injury that sent him home from the stadium a couple of days ago in a walking boot. Now, Watson finished that game. He got injured before halftime, came back in. That's obviously a good sign, but as Ian Rappaport reported last night, the Browns want to make sure they gather all the information, especially in light of everything else Watson has dealt with this season before determining exactly how to proceed. Bucks quarterback Baker Mayfield will be out there this week despite banging up the thumb on his throwing hand on Sunday. Now, Coach Todd Bowles said Baker is good. My understanding is there really wasn't a whole lot of concern as they went through the early stages of the week here. Baker, obviously, again, finished off that game and will be good to go this week. Meanwhile, Dolphins running back Devon Achan returned to practice on Monday after missing four games because of a knee injury. His stint on injured reserve was really always precautionary in terms of they wanted to make sure their rookie sensation had ample time to get 100% right. Everything is on track there right now, and it certainly sounds like there is a good chance HN is activated from injured reserve and back for this week's game against the Raiders. Jamie? Wow, that would be massive for the Dolphins as they uh, are coming off a bye and trying to... uh, 
redirect themselves in November as well. Tom, thanks so much. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, the Ravens and Ravens fans, we feel you. Another maddening loss on Sunday. They blew another double-digit lead in Week 10 against the Browns. In a historic fashion here, all credit goes to Cleveland. They did win the game, but we're talking about turnovers. We're talking about un- inabilities to, to move the chains when it matters most. This pick right here was a pick six to Greg Newsom. Hmm. Even with a missed extra point, the Browns found a way to go into Baltimore, come back from 14 points in the second half, and get the win. However, they still sit atop the AFC North due to tiebreakers despite the loss. This was the full screen that we showed yesterday on the show, and it has generated a lot of reaction around the league. Least time trailing through 10 games of a season. Take all the minutes in a game. The least time trailing. Uh Every other one of these teams on this list went undefeated and went to a Super Bowl. Uh Baltimore Ravens, however, have three losses. Okay. And if you hear from Ravens fans, this is not a 2023 thing. This is a Ravens thing. <laughs> we go now to we in or we out, and I'm going to turn it a little more optimistic. Okay. You guys tell me whether you agree or disagree with this statement. There's actually a glass half full way to look at the way the Ravens have lost these maddening three games. Okay. Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, and now Cleveland this season? Are we in or are we out? Is there good to be taken from this? I'm always a glass half full. Like, I'm I'm always the optimist. But absolutely, I'm in on this. Because I look at the Baltimore Ravens, they they have been so dominant. That stat that you just showed up there, I mean, uh, aside from the New England Patriots in 2007, it's mind-boggling to think that they have had that much of a lead for that extended period of time. Of course, the Browns game, is it was the second play of the game. Kyle Hamilton takes the pick six, and now they're Mm -hmm. up, so they had the lead. I, I, I look at this Baltimore Ravens team, and I feel like, the way that they've lost some of them, too, have to do with field goals. Like, if there's one guy, one kicker in the league that you would say, who would you yeah, take ever. with your life on the line? I think I'd take Justin Tucker. And I, I think the fact that he missed a field goal against the Colts, um, they had a blocked field goal against the Browns. Like, those are things that Jim Harbaugh, uh, excuse me, John Harbaugh, normally you would not expect special teams to be a factor with them. But, um, yeah, this team, this team, I'm, I'm even more willing to say it's three quarters full because of the way they've lost those games. No doomsday scenario. No they? doomsday scenario whatsoever. The only wrinkle in this is the Ronnie Stanley injury. He went down. Mm. That's a huge blow for them. I'm, I'm not sure what the prognosis on that is. Is it long term? Is it short term? But when mm. he went down, I think everybody on the sideline was holding their breath to All see right. is he going to get up. Well, you you want to see them win close games. This this team has the makings of, of a Super Bowl team. So they're going to be in playoff games. They're going to be in tough games. So they they crushed Detroit. They crushed Seattle. And that's awesome. And you can't take that away from them for beating them up. There's scar tissue with Baltimore. And I think Adiv is a very loaded topic with Lamar, too, in that we love him and he's incredible and he's so likable and he's great. Like, is he when it's like, hey, man, it's January time. Like, we got we're down by five and we got two minutes left. We want Lamar. Like, there's still, a te- there's still a scar tissue with that, and I don't think he is one of those top three, four guys where you're like, just give him the ball and he's cool. Mm. Well, you, just quickly, though, you said the Ravens fans have their feeling on it. Like, what does that mean? 
Yeah, that, that they lose close games every year, mm. and it's like they can't close the door ever. They can they, blow people out, but they can lose close they games. Win these big, and then in January, yeah. it doesn't the show games up. are close and they yeah. lose. Yeah. Uh, I'm in on this. I'll go glass half full as well. Only because in the offseason of 2020, when the f- playoff format changed and then four teams from one division could go, that's when they should have feel, felt optimistic mm. about this. Because we just last week, and it just altered itself as of Sunday, the Bengals are out right now. But there is a chance that we see the entirety of the AFC North get in. So just keep winning get most of your games, mm. and you should be fine. Yeah, I I hear you on that, and that, yes, getting into the playoffs. But my thing is to go back to Kyle. I throw my pen. <laughs> Sorry. Um, my stress with the Ravens right now, and I think I speak for a lot of people who watch me, I like, these games matter, yes, but it's only going to get more stressful, mm. more tense in the playoffs in crunch time. And it's like, if you can't put teams away yeah. in September and October or November, yeah. why should we have confidence that suddenly you're going to be able to turn? Sean, I ask you, as a guy who played in a lot of big games, and you guys went on runs when you were at the Giants and one of the greatest runs ever. Could something click midseason where suddenly you are closers and it's it's not a thing that's going to haunt the team? Yeah, no doubt about it. The season is definitely streaky. And when you, you kind of almost go into like routine mode halfway through the year and then bam, all of a sudden when November hits, mm. especially right about now, this is like moving time. It's when everybody gets a little bit better. But a run game at the end of the game, like Keaton Mitchell right now, yeah. that's a heck of a one-two punch with him good. and Gus. That is how you close games out. Okay. All right, next one, our second topic. Um, The NFL's hottest team is not Denver. The NFL's hottest team is not the Raiders. It's the Minnesota Vikings. They've rattled off five straight wins, and a big part of that (laughs) was the signing of Josh Dobbs. It's one of the best stories of the NFL this season. Uh, He even replaced Taylor Swift on the NFL's official X page. Let's go. That's a big deal. Uh, Here's my statement. The 2023 Josh Dobbs story is a better Hollywood tale than the 2022 Brock Purdy story. Mm-hmm. Story. Mm-hmm. Purdy story. Mm-hmm. Are we in or are we out, Jamie? Or mm-hmm. In. Josh Dobbs, greater than sign Brock Purdy. Perhaps not in football. That remains to be seen. Nine teams he's been on. We, we just wanted to make sure we said that out loud yesterday again. Nine teams he has been on. And it's been traded, it's been released, it's been claimed off waivers, um, it's been a, 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 an interesting situation when he was playing at the University of Tennessee even with coaching changes and whatnot. Traded midseason, starting for guys, released the day after the starter comes back. What a story. Brock Purdy, I get that, you know, the, the, easily the movie title could be Mr. Irrelevant, sure. Good but movie. Yeah, but I, I'm so much more into this, and if it continues... I'm going Josh Jobs, and I feel like that's an obvious answer for me. I'm going to say not yet. Mm. For the same reasons. Like, we've seen journeymen. We've seen it many times. Okay. We've seen it. They show up from, oh, they look comfortable here. The Brock Purdy thing was so improbable to, to be an undrafted rookie and show up in what looked like the best team in the league and lead them. Like, Dobbs, look, Dobbs is a seventh-year pro. He was a fourth-round pick. He is a six-foot-four dude who runs a four-six-forty. Like he is an athlete. Brock Purdy, it looks like some kid you see on the street, and he was running the show. And then there's this tragic ending with the elbow injury, and now he come back. Can he make amends for it? I think it's the Purdy movie. I think Jeremy Allen White plays Purdy in the movie, and the Oscar goes to. Uh, I think that's how you do it. The Dobbs thing, it, maybe if he continues this run, we have something. Not yet. I think Purdy's still the clubhouse leader. Yeah, Purdy, maybe the the drama where. Whereas uh, Dobbs is is more like, man, hey, like, look, this great story about a 
guy that's down on his luck and all of a sudden you know, go, turns into fortune. But I, I'm all in on the Dobbs story because I feel like to do what he did, to basically get traded to another team, come in on a Wednesday, and then all of a sudden win a football game that Sunday, that just doesn't happen. Like, Hollywood would not be crazy enough to write something crazy like that, although it did happen to Baker Mayfield with the Rams sure. last season. That's true. Sure. But That's a prequel. Kinda, when you kind of look at, at, at how it's impacted the team, like Purdy has had a great team. When he took over the reins, like he had yeah. an unbelievable team. Yeah. He's doing this without Jefferson. Yeah. Like he's doing this, you know, with, with some some injuries going on on the team and barely even knowing the offense. At least Purdy knew the offense. He had practice yeah. all that time. Yeah. This yeah. is remarkable what he's doing and. The relationship right now between him and Kevin O'Connell, we got a little bromania bromance okay. going yep, on. There. Yep. And uh, let's not forget there'd be a NASA internship mixed into that movie. That's uh, a good part of it. Too. Yeah. Yeah. You, right. you, you can't you can't do a movie based on two wins though. Like we need more. Yes. Like we I think yeah. like a few but weeks from now. Right. This is the pilot. You also can't do a Hollywood movie right now without special effects and NASA and space and That's giants. True. They're like they're gonna now, go to space. We're gonna go to space as well. <laughs> and we should start calling them Buzz Lightyear. This is part of to sure. infinity and beyond. Yeah, no. I would say it would be like a Christopher Nolan. Interstellar. Like, what, yes. what about that gravity with Sandra Bullock floating in the air? Words, just I'll tell you what. That's all you need. We're going to have Marquise Colson on later, the second axe. Can you imagine Josh Dobbs' the second axe? We're going to be doing a Zoom interview with That's him from true. space. Yeah, he's going to be floating, <laughs> eating Dobbs, pea soup in the sky. <laughs> That's great. I really do like that. Dobbs, I mean, who knows? We'll talk a couple more wins. You got Denver next. Like, we oh. just saw them last night. Let's go. Two weeks ago, if we told you Denver, Minnesota is the game of the week. I'm in. Come on. Come on. We're talking about flexing, and now we're like, no, delete no, no, no. it. Sunday Reverse Night Football, flex. leave it. No Reverse flex. flex. Cement. Cement. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Joining us now is one of the all-time great New Orleans Saints players. He is the all-time franchise leader in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and receptions. And of course... He's a legendary Super Bowl champion. Let's give a big good morning football welcome to former Saints wideout, Mr. Marcus Colson. Yo, Marcus. Yes. <laughs> good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, dude, you are so humble. We were talking to you in the commercial break. Uh, it is a thrill for us. And before we go into the Sean Payton conversation mm-hmm. or go down memory lane, let's talk some current 2023 Saints. I know you're following them. It's been an interesting year, up and down a bit. But they're still right there in first place in the NFC South. How do you feel as we head towards week 11 and the second half of the regular season? I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they're sitting in first place with, with what, eight, seven, eight games left. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't look the way you want it to look as, as a player. But the only thing that, that you want is, is kind of be in position at the end of the season. You know, and, and I think their bye week is coming at a really good time. Um, give them a chance to get healthy, um, kind of get 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 some things going offensively, defensively, and it, it's all right there in front of them. That's that's the one thing we used to always talk about. So when you have when you have your goals that are right out in front of you, and and it's up to you to be able to go reach them. That's all you can ask for as a player. 
but the Marcus Colson, Marcus Colson that we know has the mm -hmm. fleur de lis, and he's coached by Sean Payton, who had a huge <laughs> win last night for the Broncos. You know, it's been interesting to watch this Sean Payton Broncos experience exist from afar. He's certainly handled things the way he wants to handle them, but it looks like things are going in the right direction in Denver. What do you think of how Coach Payton has handled his short time so far with the Broncos, and do you guys stay in touch? It's, it's been a while since I, I had a chance to speak with Sean, but um, – you know, he, he's going to do it his way. And that's the one thing you love about him. He's, he's going to take all the heat. He's going to take, you know, some of the some of the blame from the players and he, he's going to wear it. Um, but the one thing he's going to bring that I think is is truly underrated. Everyone knows about his ability as a play caller. But I think his his vision for an organization and every single player within the organization is underrated. And you know, it kind of takes a while for that to take hold, but the run that they've been on the, ha the, the last uh, handful of weeks, I think you're starting to see it kind of come together. You're starting to see players, you know, he, he's really good at putting players in the right position to be successful. And I think as they're working the kinks out, you're going to see them start to ascend, you know, at, you know, closing out this, this season. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what he does with the rest of the season. Yeah, I think all the Broncos fans are as well. Uh, let's go back to 2006. Let's get in the DeLorean, all right? All right. Back to the draft. You're the fourth to the last pick in that year's draft. So you had to sit there, listen to all these other receivers' names get called, all these guys go ahead of you. And then you go on to have this illustrious career with the Saints. You're actually in the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame. So congratulations mm -hmm. on all those accomplishments. I want to go back to, to that mindset. Do you remember all those receivers that went ahead of you, and how did that motivate you throughout your career? Listen, I would love to think that my memory was that good, but uh, there was a lot of guys that went before me. <laughs> um, you know, that that draft was, was it was definitely not the experience I wanted. Um, you know, having to wait literally all, all two of the days to, to hear my name called. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's kind of what I spoke about with, with the Saints in their season. All, all you want as a player is an opportunity. And for me, the, the draft position was just a door. Right. I, all, I, all I wanted was to get my foot in the door and, and I knew what I was capable of once I got the opportunity. And that's what it represented for me. So seventh round, I mean, no, no one wants to go in the seventh round. But when you put it, when you put the whole thing in perspective, you know, I was one of, of 254 some odd players mm -hmm. that, that got an opportunity to get drafted. So that was kind of my approach going in. And once I hit that field, and, and kind of got a layer to land and, and figured out where I would be able to make an impact, you know, I, I didn't look back. So, you know, all the guys that went ahead of me, you know, Sean, you know this, it, it's, it's can you get to the right place at the right time? And luckily for me, I, I got to an organization that was looking to make some wholesale changes. I got a young head coach. I got a, a quarterback that no one really knew what he would, would become. And, you know, it sounds crazy to think about, it sounds crazy to talk about it after the fact that, you know, after we know what, what transpired, but at that time there was a lot of question marks around that organization and I was one of them. So to be able to get in, um, put in the work with that, with that group of guys, with that draft class, you know, that, that is an experience that, um, you know, you can't draw it up any better. You are a guest on this week's episode of the NFL players, second acts podcast. Highlighting your time, you're being a professor at the University of New Orleans and your experience as CEO, CEO, wow, of an arena football team. <laughs> What's been the most important, most rewarding part in the second act of your life right now? I mean, that's, that's a great question. I think, 
for me, just just trying to take the lessons that that I learned on the field and, and apply them to life after in this new season. Um, you know, as, as a player, you, you realize that there's no growth without discomfort. So I've spent really a lot of the second act putting myself in situations that are pretty uncomfortable for me, but um, it's been an opportunity to learn some really, really unique skills and, and put myself in some really unique situations. So um, really, really couldn't have imagined, you know, some of the work that I've been doing, but, um, you know, it's, it's been it's been really, really rewarding. Damn right it has been. Marcus, uh, I said in the commercial break to you, you're part of one of the greatest draft classes ever. Everyone knows about the Steelers, but it was you, Reggie Bush, Roman Harper, Zach Streif, uh, Rob Ninkovich, uh, and we love having you on our show this morning. Very cool. Saints fans, we see you. Marcus Colston, we love what you're up to. Stay well, man. Good out. Appreciate you guys. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.